Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. First I was a Catholic girl, loved the mass, I watched the swirl of smoke from candles burning, while Mary looked up yearning. Confirmed and I confessed I really felt that I was blessed Plus I love my uniform So did the boy who lived next door But something changed When I became of age And all those things I thought were true Someday I'd break the big time Welcome to Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Doubter Five. Uh, we are on WZO Radio 103.9 LPFM or live right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is September 19th at 7 p.m. If you're not listening at that date and time, then you're probably listening to a rebroadcast or a podcast. And on the phone, as usual, we have the Wombat with us. Say hi, Wombat. Hey, oh, hey. The, oh, there you are. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you now. All right, let's do it. Okay, okay. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a call-in talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faith, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you get the feeling that you're the only non-believer in Knoxville, well, you're just not. There are several atheist, free-thinking, and rationalist groups that exist right here in Knoxville, and we'll be telling you how you can connect with them right after the mid-show break. Also, did you know that there was an atheist call-in television show broadcasting here in Knoxville? Did you know that, Wombat? I did. I'm kind of excited for it. It's coming out in December. I really think the new Spider-Man is going to be amazing. Huh? But, listen, it's going to be awesome. What? The animation style looks great. Animation? I think the new, all, like, the fact that all the Spider-Man is going to exist in one universe is going to be no, really cool. No, no, no. And I think we should just give it a shot. I, I think, think you're on really the wrong cool. channel there, Wombat. This is an atheist call-in television show. It's just a couple of guys sitting in front of a, a television camera taking calls from the general public. And it's on, right? matter of fact, it's on right now. It's on, uh, let's see what channel it's on. Uh, let's scroll down here. It's called Free Thought Forum, and you can see it every Wednesday night between 6.30 and 7.30 on Comcast Channel 12 or Charter Channel 192. So... Switch over to it on your TV, but put it on mute so you can continue listening to us. Or DVD it, then you can watch it later. Uh, you can also catch it online at ctvnox.org. It's broadcasting right now. And you can also go to YouTube and look for uh, episodes that a fan has been posting. Just go to YouTube and search for three words. Free Thought Forum Knoxville. And, let's see, in spite of what Steve Martin would have you think, uh, there are lots of atheist songs out there, and you'll be hearing some of them right here on this program and generally on this station as we have put them in rotation. Now, tonight we have a kind of a special topic that I've been wanting to get to for quite a while, and it's mm-hmm. called spectral evidence. And I know a lot of people out there are scratching their head right now saying, spectral evidence, what's that? Well, back in uh, the 1600s, back during the Salem Witch Trials, they allowed, the courts allowed spectral evidence. 
And what that means is evidence of the supernatural by people who say they saw things. Uh, like they see, they'd be sitting in the courtroom and say, I see the defendant floating through the air. She, her spirit is attacking me right now. And that would be good enough to have them uh, put in jail, prison, or killed for being a witch. And I was just thinking, you know, if you had that kind of evidence that was uh, admissible in a court of law back then, can you imagine what it would be like in America mm. today if we were still allowing that? Or if the uh, religious right got their way and, you know, things like demon um, demon possession, which they say is a real thing, it's, they swear by it, uh, if that was considered real in a court of law. How would we go about dealing with issues that came up out of that? What do you think, Wombat? I think it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of awesome how our law systems have changed so dramatically over time, and it's a really interesting field. I'm really excited to see how this, like, supernatural-flavored justice kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah, people dying left and right, just on the say-so oh of somebody else, especially somebody who didn't like them. But that, you know, it's terrible, and, and hopefully we won't go back to that. It's been 400 years without that. And, mm. you know, just do a search on spectral evidence, do a search on uh, uh, Salem witch trials, and right. remember that the witch trials were going on in Europe at the same time. Uh, so there were lots of people getting caught up in it. And this is what you get when you when you subscribe to supernatural belief. Um, it's, one thing that... It's also a question of... Well, go ahead. I would also say, just as a quick heads up, it's also a question of hearsay. You have a bunch of people saying they saw something incredible mm -hmm. happen, and the standard of evidence was so low that people just took them on their word. Yeah, and they the were so... They're saying things that are supernatural. And they were so afraid of it. Uh, they were so gullible mm. and so fearful of the supernatural and afraid that somebody was going to throw a hex on them, which would be easy for a witch, and that they would have to then live under that hex. Of course... Uh, Not only that, but there's... They're so willing to forget how many people today, especially like our younger generations, know about the Salem Witch Trials, and not just it for its historical value, mm -hmm. but for the fact that we are all susceptible for having that happen again if we reduce our standards of evidence. Yeah. And don't think that it's all back there in the dim recesses of history. It's going on right now in some parts of Africa. I mean, and in uh, the Caribbean where they have voodoo still. You're going to have uh, that supernatural belief where people think that you can that you can put a, a hex on somebody or uh, use a voodoo doll to actually hurt them or uh, any of these things that would be supported by supernatural. But um, one person that you need to think or thank for uh, for getting rid of this is a Governor Phipps, P H I P S. He was the governor of Massachusetts at the time. He was certainly not without guilt. He, he supported for the system for a long time. But he went to Europe uh, on a trip to do, take care of some business. And then when he came back, he saw that the witch trials had just taken off. And, and a lot of innocent people were being caught up in it, people he knew that were innocent. So he decided to um, put his foot down and disallow spectral evidence in the courtroom. And that was a huge break for, for witch trials <laughs> and a huge break for mankind in America, especially right. at that time. Right. So we no longer allow that kind of thing to happen in our, in our courtrooms. However, there are a lot of people, I mean, even, I remember seeing a video of, um, 
what was her name? She ran for vice president under McCain. Sarah Palin? Uh, Sarah Palin, yeah. yeah. Uh, on on a stage in a church uh, being exercised. You know, they were trying, they were putting her hand, their hands on her and exercising her. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. The, the Catholic Church says that that's all true right now, that demons are real, can possess you, and need to be taken, care, taken out of your body. I mean, if that is true, and all the church officials will tell you they're true, and pretty much any religion in the world, they'll say it's true, but can you imagine taking that into a court of law? Um, if, uh, if my neighbor says he has put a curse on me, but won't tell me the specifics of the curse, should I be able mm. to take him to church, to uh, court and have him charged? And if so, yeah, can, of, should, should I be able to charge him with a felony or is it just a misdemeanor? I mean, that's right, what we're talking seems, about. If we want to flip the subject on its, the, the subject matter in its head, just so, you know, people can understand the inverse of the situation. Say, you know, a friend who prays for God to, like, step in his life and intervene and show him a signal. Right. And he waits, like, you know, five days, and then maybe, I don't know, he finds a dollar bill on the ground. Is that the sign from the God? Mm-hmm. Like, does it take five days for something like that to happen, five minutes for something to happen? Was, did he miss mm-hmm. some other good things in his life? Right. When you have such a vague standard, you have nothing but a really low level of expectation to, with regard to, like, recognize what's actually the curse, what's actually not the curse, or what's God intervening and what's not God right. intervening. Right. And what the, the moral of the story is, it's good to have a high standard of evidence and ask for specific things and have good information. And if you don't have that, be fine with I don't know. But until then, you, you, you can't be guided by these superstitions or, like, these spectral evidences. Yeah. You have to have facts, and yeah. you need to go by them as best yeah. as you possibly can. And what kills me is even on day-to-day activities in America, I, I go into many, many situations in the public where I'll pay my bill for having eaten lunch at a particular place, and the person behind the counter will bless me. Uh, you know, God bless you, you know, that type of thing. Uh, thinking, I'm thinking, can she tell God to bless me? What's the form of the blessing going to take? I mean, mm. what is going on here? Is she casting a spell on me? Is it, is it uh, just good, well wishes? Uh, if it's if it's a blessing, what what the heck is a blessing? I mean, and does she have any right to order God around like that? Mm. Um, it and could just a, be a bad habit too. It yeah. could just be how her community says yeah. thank you yeah. or something. Yeah. But I will tell you this: I don't think all spectral evidence or spectral supernatural related stuff has been removed from the court of law. I mean, we still have sworn in by Bibles or holy books, as if that actually can keep people from lying in the right. courtroom. Right. As if that's like a hex you yeah. can put on somebody to make them tell the truth automatically. Yeah. Well, if you're supernatural, I mean, if you have a lot of belief in the supernatural, and that supernatural takes the the form of uh, Jesus and God in the Bible, then I assume it will make you uh, more cognizant about whether you're lying with your hand on the Bible. But for most of the people these days in America, or well, I'll say not most, but most of them, I would say, don't take that literally. Uh, there are a lot of people that do, obviously, and they're getting more and more power, I think, in America. Of course, they'll tell you that they're being persecuted because they don't have that power that they had anymore. But anyway, mm. that seems to be coming back with this administration and the uh, Religious Freedom Act that they're trying to give more power to. Anyway, if, if, so well, if, well, you know, if, somebody, if somebody hexes me or uh, puts a curse on me, uh, is, or they give a blessing to my enemy, 
should I be able to prosecute them as same as if they had placed a curse on me? I mean, is, uh, well, not you know what it gives there. I mean, if we took it into a court of law and it was all real, and the if court we didn't have the Salem Rich file, accepted what would it. No, no, I'm saying if if today's court uh, operated by the same standards as the the right. courts did then, you know, sure. uh, is a blessing to be considered the same as a curse if you're giving it to someone who has my worst interest in heart. You know, mm. <laughs> it gets muddled. Right, it does. It makes it makes every judge uh, need to have a minor in, I guess, the arcane. Basically, you need a judge slash witch doctor in order to have any kind of justice passed in a society right. like that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. We do actually have societies that are similar to that. We do have, like, for example, we know the term witch doctor is actually um, not like a, a doctor or a witch, but as a a high level official in like these you know third world countries where. They are looked to as like sources of wisdom. They teach, they, they, they perform, you know, like, how, what's the proper word of saying it? Like, uh, studies, like that, that's their highest level of science. So they'll actually teach other people, like, how to make grains, how to, like, farm fields. But then they'll also. They call them witch doctors? I I hadn't come across that yet. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, um, we're talking about some of like the early Tenochtitlan clan groups in South Africa or South America. They, the, the idea of like a guy who shoves something through his nose, even like West Indies inspired witch doctors that had like voodoo and stuff like that. Yeah. Those guys were like, those people were like telling the farmers when to start farming. They would be managing like the lunar calendars. They would be teaching people how to like pick certain kinds of herbs, which mushrooms to eat. But they also had arcane elements as well. Like, this is how you craft war uh, voodoo dolls that you stab so that way we don't have to go to war. We can just send our hate to them through the mail <laughs> or through, like, uh, voodoo email. Mm-hmm. But, so all, all I was really just saying is, like, those guys have multiple roles other than just, you know, the fanciful stuff. And if we had a courtroom where, you know, we go to, peop- we go to our judges and we say, hey, I've been cursed. I want to see that guy. That's something they'd have to know about as well. But it also, like, cut back on the ability for them to, like, study proper law and, like, actual mechanics of, you know, the justice system. And as a result, I don't think you'd get as good lawyers or as good judges because you're taking so much of their time away to learn all this other supernatural stuff. And if we found out one day... All this other allegedly supernatural stuff. In other words, the rules that these these people who profess to be supernatural go by, not necessarily the fact that there are supernatural things out there. Right. Um, I feel like uh, if if you have that kind of a system, everyone gets a detriment because you're just clogging up the system with, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to get a court case or court date as it is, but like you're just clogging up the system with a bunch of ancillary cases. You have judges that have to spend less time studying actual law and more time studying about the supernatural, mm-hmm. same thing with lawyers. And who knows what kind of a jury you're going to get? Yeah. It could be complete anarchy at that point. Well, yeah. Who would you? Who are you going to believe? I mean, are you going to believe hmm. the guy who's, who says he knows the truth because his cat has a cold right now and he he never gets a cold, or the guy who's uh, who's got a wart on his arm that that just came up last last night when he was thinking about the 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 uh, defendant? I mean, there is no end to it. I mean, we've got to go by by scientific and rational processes to be able to determine uh, guilt or or innocence in a court of law let's let's say that uh, that 
the religious right comes in and says, you know, God is responsible for healing people. That uh, all you have to do is pray and you can heal someone. I mean, that they will make that claim day in and day out, 365 days a year. And most of their adherents will agree that it's a real thing. Now, should an insurance company be liable for paying for a man's hospital treatment if they found out that the family was praying for him and that that family believed that God had healed him? I mean, there goes the entire insurance industry right there. I mean, if, if prayer works, then we don't need insurance. And even if we, if we works, bought insurance, they could get out of it by uh-huh. saying, you know, it was God's will that he died or that he didn't die, and they didn't have to pay the, the, the claim. Could you imagine all the extra clauses you would have to fill out in order to get insurance? Yeah. Well, was it a demon was- this time, or was it was it a, a specter, or was it, you know, was it uh, the devil himself mm-hmm. that made you sick? Here's a question. <laughs> I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, would you get, would they charge you more insurance if you were non-religious than if you were religious? Oh, I don't know. I, I would say that they probably would because they'd end up paying more claims. Because they, if they could get off on this clause that they prayed for him and God healed him and they don't have to pay the hospital, then I would think it would be very cheap <laughs> to sell the, mm-hmm. to the religious because they'd never have to pay a claim. As long, right, and because, right, right. you know, they could always claim that the family prayed for him and uh, God healed him. No need to pay for a claim. Seems like it's a bad situation for everyone, if that was the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's why we should be so glad that uh, Governor Phipps stepped in. Another thing, if a neighbor had heard a a wife say that she wished her husband was dead, could she then be charged with murder if he died, even from natural causes? Because many people believe that a wish is a kind of prayer, and a prayer is asking a supernatural being to act on your behalf. And a lot of people, you know, a prayer is to God. Now, if God decided to kill your husband, I mean, you you could say, well, you know, she asked God to kill him, so she's culpable. You know, it's. I have a quick question about that because we actually have a court case that was kind of similar to that. Really? Um, but it's a bit on the dark side. Um, there was a lady who texted her, I guess, boyfriend or a friend to kill himself uh-huh. because she was upset with him. Yeah. And the, the boyfriend did it, and it's similar to another story that's out there. I'm not referencing that one, but basically, girlfriend spurned, decides to tell her boyfriend to kill himself. Boyfriend does, and she goes to court case. And that court, that case currently, that was back in like 2014. Yeah. I don't know how it ended, but I, but I think she got convicted for yeah. aggravated or like murder Man's- actually. Really, manslaughter. Yeah. yeah. Well, I and, understand that there was more to it than that. She had been. Uh, Defaming him, defaming him and putting him down and, and, uh, getting on his case mentally for a long time. And then mm-hmm. finally, when he was at a low, low point, she told him to kill himself. I mean, so it wasn't mm-hmm. just that one incident. I mean, she had been working on this guy for quite a while, um, getting him to that point. So I think that's what that they had to take a lot of that into consideration because psychology mm-hmm. is real. I mean, it's not supernatural. It's real. You can, um, brainwash somebody into believing things like they're worthless and that they should probably kill themselves uh, given enough time and enough uh, uh, instigation. Now, uh, what's her name? Uh, What about Son of Sam? 
he's his Ooh. defense was uh, when he was a murderer back I guess in the, in the 80s and he was a, a murderer who said that he did it because God told him to and it was through the voice of a dog I believe if I remember correctly but I mean in in that type of court could we actually find the man innocent if, because he's saying that God is real and God spoke to him and then God told him to do it who are we to say well he shouldn't have done it when God, you know, theoretically is telling him that. And if we accepted that kind of information in a court, in a court of law, a kind of spectral evidence, then uh, where would we be on cases like that? Hmm. I, I do wonder about that story about the mother who drowned her kids because yeah. God told her to. Remember yeah. that one? Yeah. Uh, she put them in a the car and drowned them. And um, No, she put them in the bath, and bathtub. Just, she did it one at a time. Oh. Going from oh, the, then this is a completely different other yeah, story. The youngest to the old. Locked her, kids, locked her kids in the car oh, and, yeah. and let it fall into a lake. And, oh, okay. and, and she she was arrested, and she explained why she did it. She said God told her to it. She had like a very distinct vision, letting her know that God told her to do that. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you prosecute something like that? Right. Like, mm-hmm. if if we ex- we accepted that religion is true, and we accepted it mm-hmm. in the court of law. You know, that, that somebody right. can actually, you know, hear the voice of God, then how can you possibly find them guilt, uh, innocent in a case like that? Or find them guilty, excuse me. Yeah, the one I was thinking about was Andrea Yates. That was a different thing. Uh, she was a very uh, religious woman. Uh, she drowned five children, five very young children in her bathtub uh, because oh, she was afraid they would go to hell. If she allowed them to grow up to the age of reason, you know, they may act up, they may choose the path of sin and, and go to hell. And she loved them so much that she took their own their lives before they could reach the age of reason. And, mm. you know, her, according to Christianity, um, she could be forgiven for that. And then all of them could be joyfully found in heaven. It's, it's, it's a logical conclusion that she reached and d- acted upon because she believed that. All that stuff. She believed it very hard, and, uh, wholeheartedly. I mean, anyway, look up Andrea Yates, and this happened, I think, in uh, well, nineteen. I can't find a date. Oh, two thousand one. Anyway, we don't need to be uh, moving to the religious um, beliefs. Of, in a court of law. Um, but, you know, even, the, let's think about miracles. Uh, let's say that you're dry, you, you've got a guy, he's, he's swerved off the road and he killed some people. And then when he comes into the, uh, courtroom, he says, um, it was a miracle. I saw Jesus. He was in the road right in front of me and he had his arms out and he was glowing with love and I swerved to avoid him and, you know, I hit those people. And, but Jesus was there. He, Jesus is real. He's with us all the time. And he, he appeared to me. So where do we go with that? He yeah. Didn't, you wouldn't, fact, you couldn't expect this, him to hit Jesus. You know? Right. I, I, I had got this really, really interesting point. Um, I know we got five minutes left. I hope I can get it out in time. Sure. But if we believe everything in the Bible is true, if we believe our religion wholesale, that also includes the idea that Satan exists, and as you said, demons exist, and what we know about Satan is that he's very good at persuading people to the point where he can make people be confident about something that is absolutely against God uh-huh. without yeah. them even knowing it. He's a great, he's the grand deceiver. 
And so if that's the case, how can anyone ever be confident about anything again, and especially right. in a court of law, mm-hmm. if we have no standard for knowing what's actually truth from right. uh, an attempt at being deceived? Right. It seems like a whole innocent or not guilty, guilt, not guilty, not guilty, any kind of evidence you bring in, anything could literally be just, well, you know, we could be deceived right now. There is the devil, right? right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we should let this murderer go, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so true. There's no standards for truth, right? And what do we, what chance do we humans have against a supernatural being who's trying to deceive us? I mean, even if we exactly. acted with the best uh, intentions, given the situation we were in, he could provide a situation that would make us do anything. And you know, what would we say as a as a defense? It's just I do. I also, we can't we can't go with this as literal truth. And that's what Governor Fitz said. Go ahead. It feels like the world immediately falls apart. That's kind of crazy. Um, It also seems like those people who are absolutely still confident that this should be a thing, like that could come back, or even people who are at least 100% confident that they are right in their beliefs, Mm -hmm. that's something to consider. If you are 100% confident that the Bible is true, you have to be aware of the fact that as an invaluable being or as an imperfect human being, there's a... There's a really grand deceiver out there, a supernatural deceiver that could be deceiving you at any moment. Right. And you have to always hold that as a mm-hmm. point of leverage. Yeah. That, so you couldn't really ever be 100% confident about anything if you take it 100% confidently. That, uh, that way lies madness. You know, because mm, I like it. How would you ever know what's real? Ever. Right. Exactly. Seems like it's just this weird thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What's the alternative, though? Maybe we can talk about that in the next half. Right. Sounds good. And I'm going to go ahead and we'll play a song, uh, have a station identification, and then we'll be back in about five minutes. This is WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM, live right here in Knoxville, Tennessee, with the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Dr. Five. We have Wombat on the phone with us, and we'll be back in about five minutes. Hang on.
That's 865-333-5937. And now, back to the show. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best. Hello, this is Doubter 5 again at WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM. Okay, let's talk about the free thought groups that are listed, that are listed here in Knoxville and how you can join them uh, if you're in the area. First, there's the Atheist Society of Knoxville, founded in 2002. We're in our 16th year. ASK now has over 850 members, and you can find us online at knoxvilleatheist.org. Or you can just go to Meetup or Google or whatever and type in Knoxville Atheist, and you'll find us. We're all over the place. Uh, also, you can join ASK in person at our weekly meetup, which happens every Tuesday evening at Barley's Tap Room and Pizzeria in the Old City. Um, yeah, where we get together for food, drink, and conversation. Everyone is welcome. That is, as long as you don't come to preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch. Thank you, Atheist Experience. By the way, if you don't live in Knoxville, you should still go to Meetup and search for an atheist group in your town. Don't find one? Start one. Start one. Another large free-thinking group here in Knoxville are the Rationalists of East Tennessee. They've been around for more than 20 years. RET has bi-weekly presentations and discussions in the Pennsylvania State Campus near Hardin Valley Road, and they meet the first and third Sunday in the Goins Administration Building Cafeteria Annex. And if that's too complicated to remember, just go to rationalist.org and click on Upcoming Events. Then there's the Sunday Assembly, which started in England and just a few years ago and now is spread across the world. It's a no-God church setting for those who no longer believe in gods, but still like the fellowship of the church-type gathering. You don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Getting together every week or so with a people of like-minded uh, mindset is good, good for the community. Uh, this particular church group, if you want to call it that, 
uh, meets on the just once a month on the fourth Sunday down at the International Building near the old fairgrounds. I'm not no, not the old fairgrounds, the new ones, the World Trade Center. Uh, not World Trade. I'll get it right in a minute. <laughs> World's Fair site, <laughs> International Building near the World's Fair site. Then there's the uh, Secular Student Alliance, which has programs to give camaraderie and community to any free-thinking high school or college student who would like to be involved in the free thought movement or would just like to find other free thinkers to hang with. Uh, the Secular Student Alliance is now kicking off. It's fall all over the country. So do a search in your area for the Secular Student Alliance, SSA, and see if you have a local chapter and join it up or just support it. And we talked about the Atheist Call-In TV show. It's called Free Thought Forum. It's just going off the air now. It's on every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 7.30 on Comcast Channel 12 or Charter 192. Or you can watch it streaming every Wednesday night at ctvnox.org. Okay, I think that takes care of the announcements. Uh, where were we, uh, Wombat? Okay, so we were talking about uh, what would happen if we decided to let uh, supernatural claims be valid in courts of law and basically see how fast society falls apart. Right. I think our resolution was that it falls apart pretty quickly. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Right. That was what the the courts actually did accept that type of, of uh, evidence, spectral evidence, back during the witch trials. And we know how that right. ended. So we're right. very, very grateful for Governor Phipps to step in and stop the practice of having supernatural claims be given in a court of law. How crazy a time we're in. It is. Anyway, though, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think um, you said you wanted to talk about some of the conversations that I was doing. Is yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so a while back ago, I went to the ARC uh, Museum protest uh-huh. uh, or the ARC Encounter protest and talked to some pretty cool dudes yeah. and Christians and atheists alike. Yeah, you, you have uh, a one channel the, for your chats, don't you? Yeah, it's a channel for a chat called Let's Chat. It's uh, on YouTube.com, Let's Chat, and it's just a bunch of interviews. We'll recognize it because it's a green icon, and now it's popular enough that if you type in Let's Chat, with the apostrophe for let an S, uh-huh. English teacher representing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Uh, if, you, if you type in Let's Chat into YouTube, it'll be one of the first things to pop okay. up. Sounds but good. I got to talk to a guy named Aaron Ra. Uh, he's like this pretty, you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. uh, a, he's a well-traveled atheist. Uh, and spokesperson mm-hmm. for secular yeah, groups. He does a lot of and, vid- um, video on uh, evolution and concepts. Oh uh, yeah, thereof. Mm-hmm. So I was doing some chats with him, and the nature of my chats is basically just trying to find out how someone figured out if something's true. It's um, a combination of a lot of different things: building rapport, some basic dad jokes, and then something called street epistemology, which is just a way of trying to have the cordial conversation with someone by sticking to the methodology that they use uh-huh. rather than attacking them personally or the conclusions that they hold. Um, my guy who I was talking to was after, or Alan Ross, my conversation with him that I had at the art museum was after a long day of interviews. And as I'm, and I was kind of hesitant to do, to edit the video because yeah. I, I wasn't probably in my best form and I'm looking at the routes of reasoning or that's basically the line of questionings that I use uh-huh. to, to, to see if I can get him to understand that his position may not necessarily be the most, um, founded one. Mm-hmm. And his idea was that he knew that there was no gods whatsoever. He was a hundred percent confident that there was no God. You're talking about Aaron and Ra. so, yes, mm-hmm. he, he is a Gnostic atheist, which is totally fine, but it's a question of, 
does he have enough proof or evidence to support that kind of like a claim? Right. Or it is a claim. I don't know. That's the problem I have with it too. But go ahead. Right. Or is the agnostic atheist position maybe a bit more founded? And so when we were talking about God's before we came to his position, he was saying like, hey, you know, theists like to define God as love or like the sun, but it doesn't matter how you define a God. It, it's a question of whether or not that God actually is true or not. And you can't define a God into existence. Right. And so when I asked him, how did he know that there was no gods after I found out that he was like absolutely confident there was no gods, he started defining a God to me. Know, <laughs> he, he was like, well, <laughs> well yeah, he's like, well, I listen, mean, he, he did have a point in that he's only saying that there's only certain gods that he's sure of don't exist. I mean, he can't, ah. he, he can't say for sure that there's no deistic God or some God we've never heard of that's 13 galaxies over. But I think for, for a Gnostic uh, atheist, you have to be able to define the God that you say doesn't exist. And I think that's where he's coming from. Okay, totally fine. And you know what I wish I asked him? I wish I asked him one um Hey, so if my initial position is I don't know if a God exists, what evidence do you have to present that no gods exist? Like, could you please present that? I wish I framed the conversation around that, where the foundation of my position is I don't know. Mm Because I kind of went down that rabbit hole with him as he was defining, like, these traits of this God that he knew didn't exist. But it would be cool to see, ask him that question that you would ask. Like, are there any other possible gods that could exist that are outside the definition that you presented? Because he claimed that all gods were uh, antimamorphic, anthropomorphic, powerful, and like a, a list of other qualities that I can't remember. No. But it seemed like it doesn't. It was not an exclusive list to, or like an all-exclusive list. No, we it have. Me- like there are a lot of other possibilities. We have members in our in our ASK group that are actually deists. We don't have very many of them, but they'll tell you right off that they they think that uh, their God, if they, if it exists, uh, either created the universe or is the universe or. Um, you know, it may not even have any kind of anthropomorphic um, attributes at all. But, you know, it's, right. if it's love, it's not anthropomorphic. If it's the universe, it's not anthropomorphic. And, and Diaz, true. Diaz uh, will stand by that and say, you know, I just call the universe God. But they'll say, right. you know, I believe in that God. And you're kind of mm. left out. The thing about it is uh, I don't even have a problem with that because that God doesn't have any dogma. That God doesn't tell you what he wants you to do or what you can't do or uh, who you should True. marry or what kind of sex you should have. You know, that kind of thing. Mm. He's, he's, he's right up there with believing in, uh, I don't know, a leprechaun. Because, and it's kind yeah. of a dangerous thing, too, because I was doing a lot of talks yesterday on campus of the University of Kentucky, uh-huh. and I was speaking to a lot of college students. And a lot of them were Christian. Um, it was a really fortunate day to go there because there was a street preacher who was also there at the same time. And so I, I made sure that oh, all of my shots had him uh-huh. yelling at people in the background. <laughs> I had like a really nice conversation with people. Uh-huh. And I also wanted to test out a new thing where I just let people know ahead of time at the very start of the conversation, hey, I'm an atheist. This is what that means. I want to have a conversation with you about what you believe. I think we can have a fun five-minute chat. Do you want to have that? And a lot of people were like totally fine with it. But the Christians were a little bit on edge. And it was interesting that I got, you know, guys who looked like maybe – six years younger than me, maybe even more than that, like freshmen uh-huh. at the university who were, who looked like really nice guys, but were, would tell you to your face. Yeah. But I also don't think like gay people should get married and, or like, yeah, I, I, I believe in God, but I'm not like one of those crazy like pastors who are yelling. Like, but I also don't believe in evolution. I don't think people come from that. 
I like, I believe it to, to an extent, but not for people. And, or like, uh, I don't think there's such things as like genders. I think people are just coming up with other stuff. Just like they bought wholesale into like a very conservative ideal yeah. that has nothing really to do with the explicit text of what the religion says. Right. But they've closed themselves off to it. And they're at such a young age and at such a pristine opportunity to be on a college campus to be able to open themselves up and learn. Yeah, but it's, will. it's really interesting. Right. But it's really interesting how powerful a religion can be on a very young mind. And you have to think that how, for every person that you see there on campus, how many more are back home and not going to college and just using that same mindset just to get a job and live the rest of their life and not even questioning anything that has been told to them up to that point. You just scared me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't mean to bum me out. (laughs) I don't know. I I can't say much to that. I would say, um, uh, I would say this though. I would say this. Tea party movement here, you know, that type of thing. All right. Here's my, here's my, here's my bright side. Uh Um, in every conversation I had, even with the ones I had conversations with guys who said, I don't care if I don't believe something that's true. I want to just believe it. Like even those people, that I've had those conversations with yesterday mm-hmm. after as short a talk as like in 15 minutes using like a very, very nice balance of just like some light counter apologetics, some good empathy. It's a little bit of street epistemology. We are, I was able to break down everyone's confidence as much from like a hundred to like down to like 75% as, as they would claim like a hundred percent. There's no way I could be wrong to maybe I'm like only 75% confident. I'm actually right, but I'm still going to say that I'm right. I'm like, that's totally fine. At least you're now not absolute anymore. Like, right. no, no, there's like ways you can open up. And they, the admissions that you get, even in a, that short talk, when you walk away, they have time to think about that. Yeah. And I can guarantee you that that stuff ruminates with people when you, when you oh, yeah. get to the core of, yeah. of what they believe and, and they realize that they don't really have a good reason to hold on to that belief anymore. Yeah, it's a pebble and in they the either find a better. Right, exactly. Uh-huh. Pebbling at its best. Uh-huh. And they either find a better reason to hold on to that belief, which is great because that's what they should be doing all the time. Yeah. I hate people. I, I, it's not that I hate people. It's just I hate it when people get complacent with what they believe right. and don't, aren't willing to challenge it whatsoever. Right. Or they drop their, that conclusion altogether and look for better conclusions. And I think either solution's good. Yeah. And if we're all willing to do that in a really cordial way, like if we're all willing to like just have a quick little chat and know the way how to do it, I think it can make those people who don't go to college have an avenue to be more reasonable and more rational. And hopefully we don't end up with a court case right. that allows which trial level of sure. evidence in the courtroom. Yeah. And speaking of let's chat, uh, if you're out there and you're listening to the show and you got two cents you'd like to put in, uh, call us. We have an open line now. It's 865-333-5937. That's 865-333-5937. And, uh, you're on, or you will be on it when you call. Anyway, so um, automatically, even control. Right, right. <laughs> even. <laughs> I'm waiting for the phone light to come on. But, Amazing opportunity. Yep. Uh, let's see. But anyway, go ahead. So you had you had an interesting one on the list of scenarios that could occur when uh, we allow supernatural evidence to be taken for uh-huh. uh, uh, legit legitimate credit. in a court of law. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, even even so, religious. If, I mean, a lot of people, when you say uh, supernatural, they don't think religion. But let's mm. just say for the sake of uh, argument that we're allowing uh, religious claims in a court of law. 
Okay, go ahead. So if the child was submitted to exorcism, is what you had mentioned. Like, yeah. say I was a child that said he was an atheist, and that was interpreted as him having a demon. And well, how, what else and could so, happen if the if the church, I mean, if the court uh, believes that Jesus and God is real, and all of the claims in the Bible are real, and then you've got a guy who comes in there and there's, he says, "My son says he's an atheist." Well, you got to think that he's got a demon in him. I mean, well, I mean, what else can you do, right? Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, pretty go, obvious. Right. Go ahead. You can finish your thought. Didn't mean <laughs> to derail <laughs> you. <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. But like he, so he's an, it's exactly as he said. They think he's an atheist. They can put him through an exorcism. But like, what do you do after you decide your kid's possessed? Like, what can, what kind of punitive measures can the courts do? And you had mentioned yeah. that they might do like a forced exorcism on the kid. Yeah. What if the kid continues to be rebellious? Yeah. You know, like what do you actually yeah. do? Is that, yeah. would atheism be punishable by death? Would that be like a death sentence or like, yeah. would that get the demon away? If you believe in the religion and the priest can't exercise the demon, do you just pay for a higher class of priest to do the exorcism? Next? And, and if it like, doesn't work, what do you do? You lock them away? Because you're unable to get the demon out of him, you can't have him running around out there and with the rest of us God-fearing people. You'd have to put him away. Wouldn't oh, you? Uh, that's what man. happened during uh, the Spanish Inquisition and and all the other Inquisitions. The Spanish Inquisition was just one of them, and it went on for over like 300 to 400 years all over Western Europe. And um, oh man, yeah, get out! And, no, I'm not kidding. And just look up inquisitions and see how see about the different ones that are out there and how long they lasted. And if you did not believe oh, in God, man. you know uh, they could darn well bring you in and torture you until you said you did. And that was mm. probably what would happen to this kid in the in the court of law today if if they accepted religious claims as real in a court of law. All right, so I actually got some color bait for you. Um, there's something called the King James Bible. Are you familiar with it? The King's James? Yeah, that's one of the two yes. books he, that he authored, or had authored. You know what the other one was? Uh, uh, no, what is the other one? Demonology. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, look it up. Really? It's, a, it's available on Amazon, written by King, da- King James, uh, right along with the Bible. Anyway, go, okay. ahead. go ahead. So, so, So the thing is, King James... Bible is the main Bible or the first great Bible of the Church of England. It, uh-huh. it is a it is a book for the Church of England. And if you don't know the history of that, that is uh, a while back ago there was a king that said, "Hey, I don't like the Pope so much. I think we should stop giving him money. This is kind of like extortion. Right. We're just going to make our own church." Well, and I'll the be Catholic the head of Church, it. And, their whole stance was that you don't need to read the Bible. We'll tell you what it means. Or what it says, right? Because it was all in Latin, oh. And, and and oh yeah. Plus, it was hard to make books. Yeah, like and, uh, it was it super expensive to make books. It was in Greek and Hebrew and and several other languages that uh, your normal average person couldn't read, and they would mm. tell you uh, what it said, and they didn't really want you reading the Bible. So he decided, right? That, you know, uh, forget that. Let's. I'm going to have somebody interpret it and write it in English so I can read it myself. I don't need the Catholic Church. And he started, right. He started I don't his need own the church. Catholic Church. We're going to start our own church. Right. Here's our own Bible, the King James Version. Deal mm-hmm. with it. Right. What's really interesting is yesterday when I was on campus at the University of Kentucky doing some interviews with some of the students there, 
Uh, props to my local SC gang <laughs> for helping me out. They got me parking. They got me a parking pass. Listen, they're all they're a lot bunch of them are staff at the school. They got me a parking pass. They helped me pilot parking. They watched my table while I needed to use the restroom. They gave me like water. They refreshed me on food. Like cool. they helped people get to the table. Yeah. Like we were we got a, like a nice little group of guys over here who are all really interested in SC and having conversations with people. It's like maybe four or five strong and every month we like get together and just talk, you know, mm-hmm. about whatever. And we also yeah. play music too. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's a really nice, cool little troop. Yeah. But anyway, what I said was um I met a staunch Catholic yesterday. Uh he was a guy who was who believed that faith was a virtue. And was unwilling to reduce it no matter what, regardless of how unreasonable it was. That's what he was going to believe. But the thing was, I asked him what kind of book did he read or like what kind of books was he getting these tenets from? Because he was making a lot of quotes from uh-huh. And he said the King James Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a second, you're a Catholic, but you have the King James Bible? <laughs> Your uh-huh. Bible? And he's like, yes. But he doesn't even understand like the conflict in that because no. as no. you said before, King James Bible is like, screw the Catholic Church. We're going to uh-huh. make our own deal. Yet yeah, his book, as a staunch Catholic, is the the book of yeah. the king that had one nothing to do with the Catholic Church. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, that is strange. Uh, you mentioned SE a few times. I don't know if you actually mentioned the word street epistemology, but you want to just real quickly say what it is. Uh, I think it's a technique to talk to anyone about anything. And the cool thing about it is if you want to learn more about it, you can just go to the YouTube channel that I got. You can see it in practice. And it's kind of a hard word to spell, but if you type in, like, conversation, S-E, just S-E, you'll find a lot of different examples of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you type in, like I said, let's chat, I'll, my videos will pop up. That's pretty easy to spell, and you'll see a lot of examples right. of it. But the right. idea is you don't challenge the person or the conclusions. You try to figure out the method that they use to reach their conclusions. Right. If the method's reliable, mm-hmm. we're all good. Right, and the word as epistemology, by the way, you know, it ends in ology, so it's got to be the study of something. It's a study of mm. how we gain knowledge, how how we acquire right. knowledge. So street epistemology is just talking to people about how they know things and how they came right. to the conclusions that they have reached. So exactly. I, I think it's a and, really and, good hobby to have. Uh, and next time I come down to Knox Patch, we're going to try it out. Okay. <laughs> we're going to go somewhere and we're going to try it out. All right. For real. <laughs> I'm happy to. I just don't know if you can... If I can work my way into that mindset of just asking questions about the method without <laughs> without throwing up a roadblock on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah, I'm the world's it, worst. When somebody makes an outlandish claim, I'll just say, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> I say, show me show uh, me hey, some stop. evidence. You know, I'll tell you uh, why yeah, it's not right. <laughs> oh, you should hear some of the first attempts of ever that I tried. I sound like a complete like intolerable know it all because yeah. I was just willing to stop anyone anytime. But there's like good avenues to have that kind of discourse. Like where you stop someone when they try to like give you some, you know, flahui. Uh those are debates and arguments and like shows like this where you can like, you know, challenge a person as they present ideas to you. But if you're trying to convince the person that you're talking to, this is like SE is like a really, really nice technique to have yeah. to help someone realize that they might be wrong, which is like one of the hardest things yeah. in the world to do. It uses the Socratic method, Socratic method quite a bit. And uh, if, right. if you have a minute, Google Socratic method, and uh, I think you'll find it a very friendly method of talking to people. Right. And I'm hoping we can get some of my SE friends on the show to talk about their progress with it. Mm-hmm. And this won't just be the ones in my neighborhood. It'll be ones from all around the world. Um, 
Uh, it's a nice group of people who post videos all around the world on YouTube about the conversations they have. And I think this idea of, like, what would the world look like if we allowed supernatural evidence to be presented in court would be, like, a really interesting topic. We've never gotten anyone who believed that, but it would be a nice scenario, maybe, like, a really nice analogy to bring up, because yeah. I love my analogies. Right. No, I do, too. Uh, I've got one other example on here, and I think uh, we may have already talked about I don't know about insurance company refusing to pay for natural catastrophes since they're considered oh. acts of God. Don't give uh, them that idea. Yeah, they wouldn't want to stand in the way of God's wrath. You know, who are we to, to repay you if God decides to punish you? You know, that type of thing. So the court, you know, if, if you come in with a, a flood insurance, uh, a flood claim, the the, uh, the the court could just as easily say, well, you're apparently not favored by God, so get out of here. You know, it was an act of God. He's punishing you for something. And that's the thing mm-hmm. about a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, uh, blame the victim and things like that. You know, nothing bad has really happened to them in their lives, let's say. And then their neighbor comes up and uh, their daughter got uh, beat up and robbed. Or they got in a real bad car accident or something. Well, you must have done something bad. You must have done something against God for him to punish you like that. So they're just piling on. They were, you know, they were friends up until then, but then you had uh, a bad happenstance and then all of a sudden you're on the receiving end of their anger for not being a good Christian, even though they, they have no idea what you did to pee off God, but they can just, you know, They'll pull away from you because, you know, obviously you're in God's targets and God's sights. So that's not good. Not good. It marginalizes people. It takes away our empathy from one another that we owe to each other. Yeah, blaming the victim. So we've got... I think the first step to being a better person... Go ahead. We still got two minutes. I would say for my closing lines, one of the first steps for being a better person is to let go of your dogma and Mm -hmm. just... Look at the person as a person in front of you and be willing to do that. Well, to me, the, the, that's very good, and I, I think it's a great idea. But even higher than that, uh, you should go to empathy and, and compassion for your fellow man. Mm. Uh, because there, mm. there are a lot of people who uh, have logic and reason and science and all this stuff, but they couldn't care less for their neighbor. So we, we still have to have uh, compassion for our fellow man. Uh, for uh, and empathy for their their problems uh, to be able to get to a good good moral state, uh, we want to prevent any harm that we can prevent. What's the Socratic oath? Not the Socratic oath. The Hippocratic oath. First, do no harm. They understood it. You know, don't do any harm, and that's that's a good basis along with empathy and and compassion to building a more, your own moral system. So. We still got about another minute. Anything else you want to say? Uh, let me tell you something. I just got a brand new mic. Uh-huh. I'm really excited about it. Okay. Uh, it's coming you in the mail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Uh-huh. And I'm hoping it'll help to uh, improve future production quality stuff. But yeah, it's just a nice. It's a nice thing to treat yourself and 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 try to be as good as you can. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, treat yourself. Have a good time and don't sweat it. You want to take it from there? <laughs> yeah, don't worry about going to hell because everybody's going to somebody else's hell. Uh, if, you're, if you choose the wrong God every time you go to church, you're just making it matter. So uh, the, time, <laughs> the time to worry about it is when they prove that heaven and hell is real and that souls are real. So until that time, just be the, 
the best person you can. Be excellent to each other. And tune in next week at 7 o'clock. WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM live right here in Knoxville for the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Say bye, Wombat. Bye, Wombat. And this is Dr. Five signing off. We'll see you next week. Bye. Knoxville.